Our scripture that was previously read came from Luke's Gospel, the 18th chapter, and I read the 35th through the 43rd verses. But allow me to just lift up verse 36 to 38, which says, Now hearing a crowd going by, he began to inquire what this was. They told him that Jesus of Nazareth was passing by. And he called out saying, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. In the context of what I just read, I'd like to speak a message today titled quite simply, Do you see what I see? Let us pray. Father, in the name of Jesus Christ, open our eyes that we may see you the more. This we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Said the night wind to the little lamb, Do you see what I see? Way up in the sky, little lamb. Do you see what I see? A star, a star, dancing in the night with a tail as big as a kite. With a tail as big as a kite. Do you see what I see? The question was made famous by the song I just quoted to you. And any mention of these words immediately brings to many of your minds and mine the melody of that song. Do you see what I see? The words themselves actually speak to the coming together of two or more people who seek to affirm that what one person is looking at is actually what is there. Because both people will verbally attest to the same thing. Do you see what I see? Finally, these words at their core further demonstrate that it is indeed possible for two people to be looking at the same thing, yet seeing something very different. So the question becomes, why is it possible? that people can all be looking at the same thing, yet see something completely different, and the answer is found in the word perspective. The dictionary defines perspective as a particular attitude or a way of regarding something. Simply put, a point of view. Many of us are familiar with the question, is the glass half full or half empty? You and I know that the truthful answer to the question is that it is both half full and half empty. But the interesting thing about this question is not so much whether or not both answers are true. The interesting thing about this question is that it reveals something about the character and the nature of the personality that is actually answering the question. What do I mean? What I mean is, if you answered the question that the glass is half full, you have an optimistic perspective on life. 
Optimism, meaning that you see problems not as doomsday or the end of the world, but instead as challenges and opportunities to do great and wonderful things. I've often told you that when I first came to this church as a pastor, I could clearly see what God was going to do in this place. My wife and I, we saw what the building looked like. We saw what everyone else saw, but we also was able to see what God could do. And I am thankful that some of what we saw back then has been made manifest even today. We all can see the wonderful things that's happening and going on here at our church, but it started with the fact that we had an optimistic view or an optimistic perspective of what God could do. Our glass was half full. On the other hand, if you answered that the glass is half empty, then you have a pessimistic view of life. This view of a half empty glass says that you generally see the worst of everything. If you see it starting to drizzle outside, you might be thinking that there's going to be a hurricane or a flood. Meanwhile, it's simply just passing showers. The fact is, there are people that are trapped in a world where their individual life experiences have forced them into a mindset where they're unable to see hope in anything. This is why the gospel of Jesus Christ is the greatest gift that can be given because it presents each and every one of us, no matter your station or your circumstance in life, it presents each and every one of us with something called Jesus' message of hope, despite our circumstances, is the greatest news that we could ever have because it lets us know that you and I, we are not doomed to suffer. How tragic, how tragic would this life be if all we had to look forward to is the mess that we have all made of our lives and then we die. This is not good news. But the good news is that Jesus came. Jesus came from heaven to redeem our fallen condition and our broken lives. Jesus suffered and died on a cross as ransom payment for your sins and mine. Jesus rose from the grave so that you and I could be saved from the wrath of God. Jesus demonstrated that he had all power over heaven and over the earth so that Satan and his demons would not have any more power over you or over me so that you and I can enjoy the abundant life that comes with saving faith. Jesus came so that you and I will have the hope of eternal glory, never to have to face death and the grave, nor shame and guilt over our sin. Jesus came so that you and I could have and Jesus gives us his hope. Why and how? What is this Jesus? Well, the reason why Jesus gives us this hope, church, and I'm giving you the gospel, is that Jesus is and always will be Lord. Let me make it clear, for some people may have a problem calling on the name of Jesus. Jesus is Lord. Jesus is Master. Jesus is King. Jesus is God. Jesus is the light. He is the wonderful counselor, the mighty God, the everlasting father. He is that bright and 
morning star. He is the prince of peace. And his name is Jesus. And he will save you and me from our sins. Now, there is nothing inherently wrong or better with being either an optimist or a pessimist. They're just different perspectives. So the bottom line is simply that what you see and your perspective has a very big impact on how you understand and how you approach life. Your perspective and how you see things makes a big difference in how you approach and understand life. Which brings us to our text. The text in verse 35 says, As Jesus was approaching Jericho, a blind man was sitting by the road begging. Now, beggars would often be found at the city gate where people are passing in and out. There is always movements of a lot of people. Here we find a man who Mark describes or names as Bartimaeus. And all over scripture we know him as blind Bartimaeus. Like a crippled beggar at the gate of temple called Beautiful, Bartimaeus is used to calling out to those who are passing by, asking for money and begging. As far as the world is concerned, this man is nothing more than blind Bartimaeus. They see him as a man of infirmity. But this beggar, Bartimaeus, he was not crippled. Instead, he was blind. And blindness and diseases of the eye were common in the time of Jesus in the ancient world. However, however, those we know who tend to lose one of their five senses are usually even more aware with the remaining four. So it takes really no special acuity of Bartimaeus to realize that all these people that he's used to seeing pass by, all these people that he's used to begging and asking for alms is not something uncommon to Bartimaeus, but this time something was different. He seems like he is able to, to pick up in his remaining four senses something unusual about what's happening. The text tells us in verse 36, watch it, it says, now hearing. Let me stop right there for a moment. Blind Bartimaeus, who has been begging all this time, as people come and go. The text says, now hearing a crowd. Crowds are not unusual to Bartimaeus, but now something was unusual about this particular crowd scene. Now hearing a crowd going by, he began to inquire what this was. They told him that Jesus of Nazareth was passing by. And he called out saying, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. The text gives us the impression that there was a pushing and a shoving of the crowd who were competing to, to, to stay up to date with someone who was attracting their attention. There was a commotion, the way you read the text, and it was unusual because this crowd was a different crowd. This crowd was crowding around someone that was causing Bartimaeus to cry out to whoever could hear him. What's going on? And one of the bystanders says to Bartimaeus, Jesus of Nazareth is passing by. Now let's pause here for a moment, church. The blind man Bartimaeus is very much aware that there's an excitement in the crowd. I've already established that. He is asking what is going on because he cannot see. 
All he knows is that something unusual is causing an uproar in the area that he's used to begging and his curiosity shifts from begging to inquiry. Here's the point I'm trying to make. When you're going through and about your life in your own normal way, whatever is normal for you, every time that a change is about to happen or about to take place, there will always be a disruption in your routine. <laughs> I, I like to call this a crisis, but it is really a moment in time where something revolutionary is about to take place in your life. Whenever you are going through the normal motions of your life, whenever something is about to change, there's always going to be some kind of a crisis or commotion. Far too often when we see these crises or these disruptions or when these commotions come, we want to continue begging. We want to continue living life the way that we've always been living without trying to figure out, hey, what's going on? Or what is God doing in this moment? We see the commotion. We see the crowd. We see the excitement. We see the disruption. We see the crisis. But we choose to want to go on living as we've normally lived, we choose to go on begging. We don't stop to move from begging to inquiry. What is going on? Brothers and my sisters, God will always come with a plan to turn what you know to be routine upside down before he turns your life right side up. And Bartimaeus is about to have his world turned right side up up. So Bartimaeus says, what's going on? And he's told by those leading that Jesus of Nazareth is passing by. Who? Jesus of Nazareth is passing by. Who? Jesus of Nazareth is passing by. Let's take a quick look at John, the first chapter the 43rd through the 46 verses, to see what we can find out about this place called Nazareth. It reads, The next day, Jesus decided to go to Galilee. He found Philip and said to him, Follow me. Now Philip was from Bethsaida, the city of Andrew and Peter. Philip found Nathanael and said to him, We have found him of whom Moses in the law and also the prophets wrote, Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. This is Philip talking to Nathaniel. Philip is making it clear to Nathaniel, we have found him. We have found the person that Moses and the prophets have been talking about. It is Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. Nathaniel in verse 46 says to him, can anything good come out of Nazareth? Philip said to him, come and see. In other words, Nazareth was a place of ill repute. It was a ghetto of Palestine, if you will. 
a place that was not considered nice or anywhere that you would want to raise your children or family. They may have considered Nazareth the way we used to think of Bedford-Stuyvesant in Brooklyn or do-or-die Bed-Stuy back in the day or even Compton in Los Angeles, a ghetto of ghettos and a really bad place filled with drugs and violence and gangs and the like. You name it. Whatever makes comes to your mind when you think of a ghetto, think of Nazareth. And can anything good, Nathaniel says, come out of Nazareth? But the thing that gets me in the text is how it says that those who were leading blind Bartimaeus, they were saying, it's Jesus of Nazareth. Or to word it differently, Bartimaeus asked, what's going on? And those leading said, it's Jesus from Compton is passing by. Or, or Jesus from do or die, bed sty. They might as well have said, yo, it's Tupac or Suge Knight out of Compton is passing by. You get the picture. But look at Bartimaeus' response after they mention that Jesus of bed sty is passing this way. He shouts, Jesus! Son of David, have mercy on me. In, in one perspective, we see those leading Jesus describing him as Jesus of Nazareth, Bedsty, Compton, you name it, Harlem. In other words, not seen any more than just a famous person that came out of the ghetto. Jesus was nothing more. From their perspective, the glass was half empty. But in the other perspective, blind Bartimaeus recognized Jesus by his royalty as the son of David. He did not let what other people had to say about Jesus interfere with who he knew Jesus to be. You see, this blind man, despite his disability, despite his infirmity, despite his limitation, despite his shortcoming, was seeing much more clearer than any of those people around him. And so, from his perspective, his glass was half full. Blind Bartimaeus had hope because he could see Jesus. So what we have here between the crowd and this blind man were two different perspectives, both very much correct, but presenting different opportunities for the miraculous to take place. The text says those who led the way were sternly telling him to be quiet, but he kept crying out all the more, son of David, have mercy on me. Here is a picture that I want you to have church. The blind sees and the seeing is blind. Isn't it interesting that many of us who have the gift of our sight is not able to see the possibilities of life that are always right in front of us. Yet somehow those that cannot see are able to have a vision for the amazing and the incredible. And Jesus stopped and commanded, that he be brought to him. And when he came near, he questioned him, what do you want me to do for you? And he said, Lord, I want to regain my sight. And Jesus said to him, receive your sight. Your faith has made you well. Immediately he regained his sight and began following him, glorifying God. 
And when all the people saw it, they gave praise to God. Now let me stop here for a moment. It is interesting to me, and I just noticed this. When the, Jesus asked the man, what do you want me to do for you? The man said, Lord, I want to regain my sight. I want to regain my sight. Brothers and sisters, there may be some of you who have lost something that you once had. Whatever that thing is or has been, I'm telling you, it can be regained, but it requires faith. An optimistic faith that is rooted in the hope of who Jesus Christ is according to his will. Sometimes the crowd around you are going to tell you that you can't do this or you can't do that. The truth of the matter is, who are you listening to? Because the fact of the matter is faith comes by hearing. For the text tells us that Bartimaeus heard first before he asked for the sight to see. So you need to hear the word of God before you can open your eyes to see. And that is straight from the throne of grace. My brothers and my sisters, you are not seeing what you need to see because you have not yet heard the word. I've often shared that the Bible speaks to us literally, symbolically, and spiritually. So what we have here in this text, in the literal interpretation, is that there was indeed a man that was blind by the name of Bartimaeus. Symbolically, we can see that sometimes having physical sight does not allow us to be able to see or discern or perceive God's move and God's moment of opportunities for healing and redemption in our lives. But spiritually, we see that there are some among us that have the true anointing that identifies when Jesus, the Son of God, when Jesus, the Son of David, is passing by. Church, I want to tell you today that if you are coming from a life of abject poverty, where you may not have grown up as a person of means or even great wealth, where you may have had your life from a ghetto of society or from the projects, or if you feel that you come from a life that was filled with crime and violence and abuse, then it's possible that you may only see Jesus of Nazareth. Maybe your story is not one of having had a hard upbringing, but you still had challenges that are unique to your own life. Your job, your family, your children is causing you tremendous suffering and heartbreak. Or you may have a real problem with your health, or you are in need of a major miracle in your life, just like Bartimaeus. Then it's possible that you may only see Jesus of Nazareth. But the beauty of the text is that there is another perspective. Your glass is not just half empty. Your glass is also half full. And that is where you can take comfort. And that is where you can find your hope. Far too often we miss out on our opportunities to grow and to prosper. Because we have allowed the crowds to define our lives and to define us. Listen, the truth is everyone can tell you what they think is going on in your life. Even to the point of telling you to be quiet when you know what you are in need of. But they are not the ones that are feeling your pain or are going through your challenges so the more they tell you to be quiet is the more you should shout out and protest even more those who led the way were sternly telling him to be quiet but he kept crying out all the more son of david son of david son of 
David, have mercy on me. But whether you only see Jesus of Nazareth or Jesus, son of David, with either perspective, hear me, church, it is still Jesus himself who is passing this way. The irony here is that all those people who could see physically and were surrounding Jesus in their desperate search for truth, truth himself was walking beside them. The Bible is clear that we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers, the rulers of darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in heavenly places. And those spiritual forces, my brothers and my sisters, continue to blind the eyes of truth to all of us. But Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And no one comes to the Father but by me. Jesus is the truth. And he knows where you have been. He knows what you have done. He knows even what you're getting ready to do. But he can identify with you because he too had to deal with people asking, can anything good come out of Nazareth? Can anything good come out of the projects? Can anything good come out of a single parent household? Can anything good come out of prison? Can anything good come out of you fill in the blanks? And the answer is always going to be yes whenever Jesus is passing by. You could be blind, but he opens blind eyes. Maybe you can't speak, but he lets the dumb talk. Maybe you are crippled and you can't walk. He makes those walk. Whatever it is that you are in need of, can anything good come out of your circumstances? Yes, it can. Why? Because Jesus is passing this way. And if whatever you have been wrestling with in your life, then I say to you, open your eyes. Cry out with every fiber of your being. Jesus, son of David, have mercy. Have mercy on me. Because Jesus is passing this way. And when Jesus passes by, we should all cry out to him in faith. And he will always be merciful to us. Physical blindness is bad enough. But what good are eyes? What good are eyes if they only serve to let you see hell? Don't let the spirit of doubt or fears cause you to miss out on your moment to have the master bring peace and healing in your life. Jesus, church, is passing by right now. And my question that I began with, that I will ask again right now, do you see what I see? May the Lord richly, richly bless you, my beloved.